0: awesome hey while you're making your way to your seat why don't you turn to your neighbor give him a hug a high five a handshake whatever's appropriate let them know that it is such an honor that they would get to sit by you in church tonight they must be ready for a blessing because they're sitting by you tonight hey just out of curiosity Is it uh, anybody's first time in here to young adults? Anybody's first time checking us out? Hey, we just want to say welcome. Our only goal tonight for you is to feel welcome, to feel like you've you found a place that feels like home and for you to encounter the real and the living God. Because even if you don't believe in God, we honestly believe that he believes in you, that he loves you, that he cares about you, even if you don't care about him right now. And so our only prayer is that you would just encounter him in a way that's real. Over this past uh, couple weeks, we kind of have had a theme for the beginning of the year based out of Isaiah 43. Uh, kind of going off this idea that God is doing something new in our life God is doing something new in our church God is doing something new in young adults and God has something new in store for you in this season and even though it's halfway through February and most of us are off track on our new year's resolutions how many people is there anyone that's still on track still going strong four of you good job Even though we're halfway through February and the newness might have worn off with our resolutions, we still believe that God has something new in store, that God's not done with the new that he's doing in your life. And so tonight, I just want to kind of continue that conversation on what it might look like, what, what it might require of us to continue to walk into that new that God has for us. Does anybody have your Bible tonight? Anybody have a Bible? If you, if you don't have a Bible, look off the person that you've strategically placed yourself next to because you're digging them. Let's just be honest. That's what happens. Let's not play any games. Piece of advice, when you come to church, bring your Bible. Even if you don't read it, highlight in it. Make yourself look more spiritual than you actually are. You never know who's looking over your shoulder and checking you out. Just piece of advice. but. We're going to turn to two places in the Bible, Exodus chapter 16 and Joshua chapter 5. Exodus 16, Joshua 5, and as you're turning there, I'm going to kind of set the stage for what's going on here. Exodus 16, the people of Israel have been enslaved in Egypt for generations. Some people even guess somewhere up to 400 years and they have just escaped their egyptian slavery and captivity and moses has gone to pharaoh and said let my people go pharaoh said no i'm not about that so moses is like hit you with the plague and Mm And there's all these plagues that are going on around Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh has this change of heart. And he's like, okay, whatever, get out of here. And as they're starting to leave, he has another change of heart. And he's like, hey, no, we actually want him back. And so he pins them up against the Red Sea. And the Lord tells Moses, lift up your staff. God parts the Red Sea. The people of Israel walk through it on dry ground. Egypt tries to follow him. God closes it up. And Israel are free People, their enemy has been defeated. And it's not five minutes after they are done celebrating their freedom where they start to complain a little bit. They're like, hey, cool. We left Egypt. We left slavery. We left everything we've known. Now we're in the wilderness, in the desert, and we're starting to get a little hungry. The Israelites had some hanger problems. And so we're going to jump in. Exodus chapter 16, it says this. It says, the Lord says to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, hey, at twilight, you're going to eat meat. The Lord is not a vegan. Can I get an amen? And in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. And in the evening, quail came upon and it covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay on the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the surface of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine like frost on the ground. This is called manna. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? Literally, manna translated literally is what is this? Well, seriously, that, that's the, the Hebrew word for it. What is this, manna? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So fast track 40 years, Israel is wandering around in the wilderness and in the desert, making their way to a place that we know as the promised land, which is modern day Israel, parts of Syria and Iraq. This land that God has promised Israel. And he promised Israel this land because for the history of Israel so far, they've been this nomadic tribe just kind of wandering from place to place. But God said, I have a promise for you. You're not just going to be wanderers. I'm going to establish you as an actual nation. And so they're wandering. Wandering through the wilderness on their way to this promised land and for 40 years straight every morning god's providing this bread for them to eat from every morning but sunday they get a double portion on saturday every morning God's providing this bread for them to eat from. And throughout these 40 years of wandering, Moses, the leader of Israel, passes away. And this whole generation of of Israelites, because they were disobedient to God, pass away. And this new man named Joshua, who was a warrior, is now in charge of leading Israel. And through 40 years, they wander, they fight, they conquer, and they make it into the land promised to them by God. And this is what... Uh, This is what happens in Joshua 5, where we pick up. It says, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho, the famous Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, get this, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain." And and check this out. It says, and the manna then ceased the day they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. If you're taking notes and just side note for anybody that's first time here, taking notes makes you more spiritual and guarantees better real estate in heaven. It's a known fact. If you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight is this, no more manna. Write it down. Look to your neighbor. Say, no more manna. No more manna. Can we pray? And then we're going to get this thing rolling. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we believe that you have so much more in store for us. It's not just a saying. It's not just a cliche. It's not just whatever. It's not hype. God, we believe that we haven't even begun to see the best days that you have in store for us, for our relationships, for our finances, for our family, for, for healing maybe in sick bodies, God, we believe that you're doing something new. And so God, would you open our eyes to what that is? Lord, I am painfully aware that I cannot say a single thing tonight that could change anyone's mind, nonetheless the human soul. But when your Holy Spirit meets us in a place, you could say something to somebody that I didn't even say and it could change the trajectory of their life forever. And so tonight, Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to do what only you can do, which is speak to our hearts, speak to our souls, encourage us, speak life to us. Lord, we just ask for you to come and meet with your people and we love you and we honor you. And Lord, we just love this time to be in your presence. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Growing up, you know, jump right into my story, right? Just serious moment to story. Okay. Growing up, I was the oldest of four, which meant in my family, I was kind of the first to try out new things. And just side note, I want to see if I got any sympathizers. Who in here is the oldest child in their family? Would anybody say that your youngest sibling had a totally different experience in life than you had? Youngest siblings, you are spoiled. Like, just get over it. And you're like, no, we're not. We're not spoiled. Shut up. You are absolutely spoiled. But I was the oldest of four in my family, which meant I was kind of like the first, like the guinea pig to go out and do things. But I was actually the first in my family, not of my, my family. My parents both have college educations, but I was the first of the children to head off to college. And I remember a specific year. It was my sophomore year at Virginia Commonwealth in Richmond, Virginia. I was my sophomore year. I had life made. It was one of the best years of my entire life. Here's why. I had moved out of my freshman dorm into a town home with three of my best friends. And so we just felt like this false sense of independence because like our parents are still helping us like pay for the town home. But we're like, we're men, like we're on our own. <laughs> Not really, but um, I had a meal plan. So all of my meals were taken care of. And I don't know what school you went to, but at VCU, like people actually look forward to like the dining hall and the restaurants like they, they weren't gross. They weren't bad. They're were actually really good. And so it wasn't like terrible to have to eat at school. And so all my meals were paid for and I had all my food t- situation taken care of. And then I also just kind of on the side, I had a job where I worked in a gym and I was just checking people in and re racking weights. Wow. Um, say that three times. Um, But I was, and I just was getting some side money, just some cash on the side. But being the first to go to college, for whatever reason, my mom thought that I was still going to end up broke on the street, sleeping like in my car. And so at the end of every single month, a little manna would drop into my account. Just a little bit of mana would come in and pop into my account. And I remember I was like, mom, hey, like, I thank you. I'm never gonna say no, but like I'm pretty good. Like you pay for the townhouse, or my or I'm actually paying for it now in student loans, but um <laughs> anybody else like drowning in student, like help me. Like, yeah. No, it's like my 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 Place that I live, paid for, like food, I'm good, like I've got a job, like I'm working, like I am okay. And she's like, baby, I just wanna make sure you're taken care of, and so here, I'm just gonna give you a little extra every month to let you know that we love you. And my sophomore year of college, your boy was balling. At least, I thought I was balling. Like. 300 extra dollars a month, which in college feels like $3 million a month. You know what I mean? But I was like, I felt like I was just balling. It was one of the greatest years of my life. Like, Taco Bell on me. Like, movie theater tickets on me. New Nikes just dropped. I'm going to get me some. I was living my best life. Once a month, end of the month, manna, boom, in my bank account. Manna, boom, in my bank account. And that lasted for about 9, 10 months. And then one day... I woke up, and the manna was all gone. And I remember calling my mom, like, Mom, hey, Mom. Mom, what's going on with your son? The first, you know, the blessed one. Child of promise, like, right here, calling you. And my mom was like, hey, babe, um, so I know that you, we've been helping you out, like, giving you a little extra so you feel comfortable at school. But your sister is now starting college. And the money that we wanted to give to you, we are now going to give to her. And I'm like, Mom, oh, Mom, love you. No, you know, like, Mom, I don't think you understand. I have grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Like, Mom, I have grown accustomed. I, I have, you're telling me I need to live a Chick-fil-A life on a Taco Bell budget. Like, Mom, I don't know how that's going to work out. But overnight, my supply. Was gone, man up from heaven every month, and one night it was absolutely gone, and I entered into a new season, a new season called adulthood, where I had to actually, if I wanted more money, I actually had to work longer hours or harder. To, now I know that doesn't translate to a lot of people in here. No, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Come on, like it's been a while. No, um. But if I actually wanted more money, I still had provision available. I just had to work for it. And now some of you are thinking, okay, like, cool, whatever, like, air out your problems to us. But, like, the point of me telling this story, because I think it ties in kind of well with what we just read about in Exodus and with Joshua 5. The point of the story is this. There was a season of my life where my provision, where everything that I needed came a certain way to me. And it was a way that I grew accustomed to. And it was a way that I was used to. And it was a way that I was comfortable with. And then one day, that season ended. And for me to continue to move forward, for me to continue to progress, for me to continue to uh, go to college and live as a college student, I had to adjust to a new form of provision, a.k.a. working a big boy job. I had to adjust to a new form of provision. And it reminds me of the story in Exodus. Uh, Israel had just been freed from generations of slavery. And they step into this new season where they're in a desert and they're wandering around. And even though they had just been through a season where there were like miracles happening. There were miracles happening. They, they, they just saw the ocean or the Red Sea part and they walked through it. And they saw God deliver them from the hand of their oppressors. Even though they saw miracles they started to grow weary. Their faith started to faint a little bit, and they started to complain. And some, some of them even said some stuff like this. Some of them, the Bible records, they were even saying, man, I wish we would have just stayed in Egypt. Like, what? Like, I wish we would have just stayed as slaves, because at least we knew kind of where our provision came from. And it says that they grumbled. But I want you to see God's response to their their grumbling. I want you to see God's response to their season where they were in need. I love this. What does God do when they were complaining because they were in need? God provides for them. God provided for them. My first point, if you're taking notes, is this. Manna is good for a moment. Manna is really good. Manna is an amazing thing for a moment. Listen, God provides for us. God will provide for you. Maybe the only thing you needed to hear tonight when you came into Young Adults, maybe your whole world feels like a wilderness and you came in and you have financial issues and there's health issues in your family and there's relationship issues in your life. Can I tell you, maybe the only thing you need to hear from me tonight is this. God will provide for you. God is a provider. God is a provider, that is who he is, that is who he identifies himself as, that is his character. In Genesis, Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, he was called the child of the promise, and God takes him up on this mountain and says, sacrifice your son, and when he sees Abraham's faith, he says, hey, actually don't sacrifice your son, because in a few hundred, maybe thousands of years, I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. And And there, God reveals himself to Abraham and he says, my name is Jehovah Jireh, which means Abraham I see you and I will provide for you. I am your provider. And so maybe tonight you walked in here and your world feels like it's in shambles and you don't know where that next bill how that next bill is going to be paid or you don't know if you're going to get a good report or a bad report from the doctor. Can I tell you it is true to God's character to be a provider for you. God will provide for you in your time of need. Manna is amazing for a moment but maybe you walked into young adults tonight and maybe your world your outside world is in perfect order maybe you got great relationships you are in great health your finances look great but inside of your soul inside of your spirit you feel like you kind of entered into that wandering wilderness moment maybe you come into young adults and you know how to put on the smile and you know how to shake the hands and kiss the babies and you know how to make it look like everything is all good but on the inside there's turmoil and you feel like you're directionless and your faith, which was so strong at one point, has kind of flamed out. And your passion to love people and your compassion and your empathy for people has just sort of flamed out. And your desire to invite people to church or share the good news about Jesus is just kind of gone. And if you're honest, maybe you come in here tonight and you hear us talk about how God has got something new. God has got something amazing in store for you. And you're like, yes, I believe that. I get that. But I don't know why it's not happening in my life. Like, I believe God has something better for me, but I cannot figure out the formula to what that is, because if I'm being honest, I'm doing everything I know to do to make it happen. Like, I read my Bible five minutes every morning. I read my Bible ten minutes every morning. I pray five minutes every morning, and I come to young adults. And maybe for a season, that was enough. Maybe that five minutes of reading your Bible or coming to young adults on a Thursday was enough for you to be so fired up, you could walk straight to the gates of hell and kick them down and move the kingdom forward all by yourself maybe that was enough manna is amazing for a moment it has its season but listen to me if God is calling you into the new if God is calling you deeper if God has more vision for your life more purpose for your life more power for you for your life please hear me when I say this you cannot be sustained in the new with provisions from the old Write that down. You cannot be sustained in the new if you're running off provisions from the old. Listen, manna is good for a moment. It has a purpose. Manna is the sustenance of a season. Manna is the sustenance of a wandering season. But manna is not the provision of the promise. I know I'm speaking in alliterations, but just it just comes that way, I promise. Manna it was made to sustain for a season. But it was never made to be the provision of the promise. What do I mean? My second point, if you're taking notes, is this. With new seasons come new provisions. With new seasons in your life, there will be new provisions. I think one of the greatest things that holds us back as Christians from experiencing the new that God is trying to do in our life is that we try to walk into the new that God is calling us to thinking that the same thing that got us through this last season of life is going to be the same thing that gets us through this next season of life. We walk in, we kind of paralyze ourselves because we think that the same thing that's always worked, if God's calling us in the greater, that's going to be the same thing that works in this new season. But it doesn't work that way. With new promises, with new purpose, with new vision, there is a requirement for new provision. What sustained you in one moment is not going to be the thing that sustains you in the future. Joshua 5 says this. It says, The day of the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, parched grain, and the manna ceased. God's provision, God's miraculous provision, 40 days every morning ceased. The day when they ate the produce of the promised land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land in Cana that year new seasons new provision new seasons new provision imagine if israel walked into the promise Like nothing changed for them. Like Israel stepped into God's promise, but the provision didn't go away. The provision just changed a little bit. Kind of like my season in college. Listen, provision was still available. Just the avenue to get it to me changed a little little bit. God still provided. He just provided in a new way. If you are going to step into something new, if you're going to step into a new future, a new purpose, new calling, there might be some really great things that you have to leave behind you that were amazing for a moment, that were God-ordained in a season. But right now, God's calling you forward, and the things that got you through here aren't going to be the things that get you through here. Ladies, I got something for you. Maybe tonight, you came in here, and you're done playing games. Maybe you came in here tonight and you are looking for a relationship and I'm just not talking about hanging out, whatever, going on some dates. Maybe you are right. You're like, listen, I'm done playing games. I want a man. I want to I want to get married. I want to have children. I want a family. I want to settle down. If you are in here tonight and you are looking for a man, maybe it's time to give up the manna and start like looking for a man. Maybe the people. Maybe the people that were kinda getting you through for a while aren't gonna be what sustains you in this next season. I know he might be cute. I know he might look good, but he hasn't held down a job in a while. Maybe he hits you up late on the weekends and says, hey girl, but he don't wanna put a label on anything. Listen, if you want something new, you can't expect to be able to use the old process to get the new promise. If you want a new promise, there's got to be a new process that comes along with it. But here's the problem. Here's the problem we all face. We get comfortable with last season's provisions. We get comfortable with the provisions from last season. See, we know what it looks like. We know what it feels like. We know what it requires. We know what it takes. We get comfortable with the provisions from last season. Imagine if Israel walked into the promised land they've been wandering for 40 years trying to make it to this place and they finally get there and they look and they say god this is amazing thank you so much for the for this land it's full of water it's full of fruit and vegetables it's full of cattle and grain and all that good stuff thank you so much for your provision but god where's where's the manna i woke up this morning and there was no manna god where's where's the manna God, thank you for bringing me to this new place. Thank you for taking me to the place that you promised you would take me. But I've never had to, to, to figure out provision like this before. I've never had to farm before. You want to know how the Israelites got their, got their food when they entered into the land of Canaan? They, they farmed it. There was an entire generation of Israelites that died in the wilderness that literally never knew anything but manna. And so when they stepped into this promised land, this was a new form of provision for them. And I'm sure there's a temptation to be tied down to the provision that got them through the wilderness. God, thank you for this new season. God, thank you for this relationship. God, thank you for this job. But where's the manna? Where's the process that I'm used to? Where's the where's the sustenance that got me through that last season? Because it feels like That's not going to be what gets me through this season. And God is saying, no, it's not. No more manna. God is saying, no more manna. Don't get attached to the manna. God is saying, don't get attached to the provision. Listen, manna was good for that season, but where I'm taking you now, manna is not going to be able to sustain you. Where I'm taking you now, manna is not going to be able to sustain the call, the gift, the purpose that I have on your life. You need something you, you, you need something new, you need something more weighty, you need something of more substance. Like manna was good for that season, but you gotta let it go because I've got something better, and it's gonna sustain you for the purpose that I've called you to in this season. John chapter 6, Jesus says he was talking to the Pharisees and, and they were asking him for a sign. They were asking him to kind of back up all these claims that he was sort of making about himself and heaven and the kingdom and And they say, listen, Jesus, we know you got all these big claims and everything. But when our ancestors were in the wilderness, God provided for them manna as almost like a proof that he was God and that he would take care of them. And they said, where is your proof? Give us a sign. Show us something. And Jesus said this, like, listen, yes, I know. My father, I was there every single morning. Gave you manna, gave you something to eat. But Jesus said, listen, the whole meal has arrived. I am the bread of life. He said, if anybody comes to me, you will hunger no more. He said, I'm the bread that gives life to the world. And these Pharisees were standing there and they were so caught up in God's provision for their ancestors that they missed the fact that the promise was standing right in front of their eyes. Jesus says, anyone that wants to come to me can. Come to me. I'm the bread of life. No more manna for you. You need some sustenance. You need bread. Come to me. I'm the bread of life. Young adults, if we're going to continue to move forward into the new that God has for us, We have to be willing to answer this question. Are we willing to embrace the new provision that God has as we enter into a new season? Are we going to be able to let go of some of the old things that got us through that were good things, that were great things, to take hold of the new things, to move forward that God has for us in this season? Maybe in here you're sitting in your chair and deep inside of your heart you feel like God's calling you forward. You feel like there's purpose on your life. You feel like God's given you a vision for your life far beyond where it's at right now. But deep down, you know, there's just something that you're holding on to that you just can't let go of because you're not sure what it's going to look like on the other side. Listen, when you step into the new provision, new provision from God is scary. Why? Because he only gives you provision when you need provided for I think a lot of times, a lot of us in here, we want the new, we want the greater than, we want the influence, but God is saying, are you willing to follow me and trust me that I will provide for you exactly what you need when you need it, when you need it? I believe so much, seriously, as I look out into this crowd, we're a room full of so much potential, but I feel like God put this revelation on my heart that, listen, sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's bondage that holds us back from the promise. But sometimes it's the old things that God has done in our life that actually holds us back from taking hold of the new things. And God is not against the old things. All throughout the Bible, God said, hey, celebrate what I've done. Celebrate my faithfulness. Celebrate my goodness. But that's not going to be the thing that carries you forward into the new season. I've got something new for your life. With new vision comes new sacrifice. With new purpose comes new sacrifice with new power, with new new drive, with new motivation, with with new dreams comes new levels of sacrifice. And the manna that got you through that one season isn't the thing that God wants to use to get you through this next season. Ben, you guys can begin to make your way on up. My final point as we close, and I'm trying to be short, sweet, and to the point here. My final point as we close is this. If we get too attached to the way things God used to do things in our life, the way God used to provide for us, we run the risk of this. We run the risk of confusing God's provision with God's promise for us. Don't confuse God's provision with his promise. I'm going to say it again. Don't don't confuse God's provision for your life with his promise. Sometimes God is going to give you something that is amazing, and it's going to sustain you, and it's going to get you through a hard season. It's going to get you through a great season, but that was never meant to be the completion of the promise God has had for your life. That, that provision was never meant to be the completion of the promise for your life. Listen, manna was never the promise to Israel. The promised land, like territory was the promise for Israel. Manna was just the, the thing that get them to the point where they could step into the promise. God's provision for Israel was not the promise in and of itself. But listen, check this out. God's provision for us will always be pointing us towards God's promise. God's provision will always be pointing you, it'll be propelling you toward towards God's promise. Here's what I mean. Manna. For Israel, it pointed to the promised land. The law that God gave Israel pointed to the fulfiller of the law, the promised one who would walk perfectly before God on our behalf. The priesthood, of Israel pointed to the high priest that would one day come and make intercession daily on our behalf. The sacrificial system, it pointed to the ultimate promise of the ultimate sacrifice, the one who would pay the price once and for all for us, so that God's presence would no longer have to dwell in tents or places made with human hands, but his presence would actually dwell within the human heart. God's provision for them, the sacrificial system, the law, the priest, They weren't the promise. They pointed to the promise. And let me tell you, the promise is always Jesus. The promise for us is always going to be Jesus. The Pharisees got so hung up on the forms of provision that God used that they couldn't see that the promise was right in front of their face. And I think sometimes we get so hung up on how God provides for us that we get it confused with God's promise for our life. I think sometimes in here and without bad intention, we make a relationship God's promise for our life. I think sometimes in here and without bad intention, we make a job or an opportunity God's promise. Maybe we make fame or Instagram followers or money or wealth God's promise for our life. The promise is... And the promise will always be Jesus Christ. He is enough. God in us. God for us. God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus is the promise. The promise is that Jesus will always be enough. The promise is that God's spirit will dwell within you, leading you and pointing you to all righteousness, forming you to be a person like Christ. The promise is that God's church will constantly be moving forward and taking ground. And there is not a single thing that the devil and the armies of hell can do to stand in the way. Because when Jesus walked up out of that grave, freedom was made available for anyone and everyone who needed freedom in the moment. Don't get so hung up on the provision that we lose sight of the promise. The provision is to get you to the place where you can either receive the promise, which is salvation, which is Jesus, or that you can take that promise to as many broken and hurting people as possible. Don't lose sight. Don't get confused. The provision for the promise. Jesus is our promise, and I I guarantee you Jesus is enough. He is enough. Would you all stand to your feet? tonight maybe you're in here and you've spent your entire life you've spent your entire life attaching yourself to certain provisions that God's given you maybe your identity is so hung up on your paycheck that you feel validated when you make a lot but you feel belittled when you make nothing maybe maybe you've attached yourself to a relationship And you feel like that when you're in a relationship, you feel loved, you feel valued, you feel important, but when you're out of one, you don't feel like anything. Maybe you're in here tonight and you never realize that God's trying to move you forward, but you need to let go of some things. If you have an honest moment in your heart tonight, if you feel like God's calling you to move forward, but there's some things you need to let go of, maybe they're good things. Maybe they're great things. Maybe they're things that have gotten you through some tough times, but God's saying, hey, I have more. I have more. That that man that you lived off of for a while is amazing, but I've got something better for you. If that's you tonight, would you please lift up your hand and say, God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready to step into a new season. God, I'm ready to give up the things that have been holding me back. God, I'm ready to embrace this new provision that you have for my life. God, I'm ready to take hold of the promise. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're in here tonight and you just never even knew that God loved you Maybe you didn't even know that Jesus cared about you. Can I tell you that there is a God in heaven who knows your name? He knows every hair that is on your head. He knows every breath that you'll ever breathe. The Bible says that he cares about the birds and he cares about the fields. And in so much greater detail, he cares about you. He knew you before you were ever born. If you're in here tonight and maybe you say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. I just feel like for some reason in my heart, I feel like God is pulling on my heart. If you want to make a decision to just, just introduce yourself to Jesus tonight, would you lift your hand? Maybe you said, listen, I've never, I don't know this church thing. I've never done this church thing before, but I want to step into a season where I decide to follow after Jesus. Would you lift your hand? Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to pray and then we're going to continue into worship. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we're believing that tonight you're gonna reveal to us some things that you want us to leave behind. God, not because they're bad things. God, not because they're, they're insufficient. They were just sufficient for a season. But God, we believe that you have more. We believe you're calling us forward. God, we believe that there is more in store. And we believe that you have more for us than we could have ever imagined. So God, tonight, we lay aside the things that once held us back. And we move forward into the things that you're calling us into. God, we want more of you. We want to know you deeper. And for everybody that lifted their hand to receive Jesus, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. That you would just blow up their heart and let them know that you love them with a love they couldn't even fathom. Jesus, we love you so much. It's our honor to come tonight and worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.